Hello, and happy Digital Learning Day. I'm Jason Amos, Vice President of Communications at the Alliance for Excellent Education. We're so glad that you tuned in today. Here at the Alliance for Excellent Education, we've spent much of today watching and engaging with educators across the country who are sharing images and video of their schools and classrooms. Here are a few of our favorites, courtesy of Twitter. Here's a look at Digital Device Night held at Miniville Elementary School Library in Woodridge, Virginia. So I'm not sure if you're seeing our, our tweets or not, but um, okay, so here we go. Um, sorry, bear with us just a little bit. We got some technical, technical difficulties. So here we are again. It's, it's showing up very quickly. I'm sorry you can't see them. But I tell you what, you can go to the hashtag DLDay on Twitter, and you can see tons of great examples of teachers, librarians, and students engaging with great content around the country. Um, in fact, we had over 2,000 events on our official Digital Learning Day map, so we really appreciate everything that educators are doing out there to let us into their classroom and giving us a window into what they're doing in their schools, classrooms, and libraries. And if you haven't shared what you're doing yet to celebrate Digital Learning Day, you can still do so using the DL Day hashtag. We'll be retweeting and liking our favorites, so be sure to include the Digital Learning Day Twitter handle at official DL Day. Even after today is over, we'll continue to share out your DL Day videos and images, so keep the tweets coming. And if you haven't added your DL Digital Learning Day activity to the official DL Day map, you can do so at digitallearningday.org map. While you're sharing out what you're doing, also see what some of your fellow educators are doing across the country. And don't hesitate to ask them a question or ask what went into a lesson that caught your eye. Digital Learning Day is about sharing and celebrating, but it's also about connecting, collaborating, and learning from fellow educators, which brings us to today's expert panel. Joining me in the studio from Prince George's County Public Schools in nearby Maryland are Dr. Lisa Spencer, Director of Instructional Technology and Support, and Dr. Sarah Thomas, the Regional Technology Coordinator for the district. Sarah is also a Future Ready Schools Instructional Coaches Advisor. Welcome to you both. We're very Thank happy you. to have you today. Thank you so much. Also joining us in the studio is Mark Ray, Director of Innovation and Library Service for Vancouver Public Schools in Washington State. Mark is also a Future Ready Schools Librarian Advisor. And finally, joining us via Skype from across the country are two of Mark's colleagues from Vancouver Public Schools, Kelsey Ask, an Instructional Technology Facilitator, and Tracy Chun, a, library, a teacher librarian. Hello. Welcome, Mark and Kelsey and Tracy. Thank you for joining us remotely. We've already received several questions from our panelists, and we'll get to those shortly. If you have a question you'd like to ask, please use the box below this video window. Before we get into our discussion, you probably noticed that I referenced Future Ready Schools when, when I was introducing Sarah and Mark. Future Ready Schools is an initiative of the Alliance for Excellent Education that provides school districts with resources and support to ensure that local technology and digital learning plans align with instructional best practices, are implemented by highly trained teachers, and lead to personalized learning experiences for all students particularly those from traditionally underserved communities. Within Future Ready Schools are five different programs that focus on school district leaders, school principals, tech leaders, instructional coaches, and librarians. Earlier this afternoon, we held a webinar for district and school leaders that you can watch at digitallearningday.org slash 
DL Day Live. During this webinar, we'll focus on innovation and collaboration between librarians, instructional coaches, and teachers. So let's turn to our panel. Um, Mark, why do Future Ready schools need Future Ready librarians, and, and what skills do they have? That's a great question. Um, I would say that uh, Future Ready librarians uh, are unique, like coaches, because they serve every student and every teacher in the school. So they, their responsibility uh, goes beyond the classroom, uh, and they uh, work uh, and, and collaborate really on a very broad basis. So like a principal, uh, they really have that responsibility. Um, my, my boss, uh, Dr. Steve Webb in Vancouver Public Schools, uses the term ubiquitous leadership. Uh, in the Future Ready framework, we have the term collaborative leadership. Uh, and there's just a recognition that coaches and librarians really have an opportunity to lead uh, beyond the library or lead beyond their coaching role, uh, not only at the building level, uh, but also uh, even at the district level or system level. Um, I think librarians are really well positioned from a skill set standpoint to look at 21st century literacies. Uh, in the new Future Ready Librarians framework, we, we have the word literacy now in the middle of that framework. And those literacies include uh, things like uh, the ability to curate digital resources, uh, digital citizenship, uh, and computational thinking are just some examples of, of some of those skills. And so um, I think that librarians are, are just in a great position uh, because of their responsibility and because of that skill set to really articulate what Future Ready looks like in a school. That's great. Thank you, Mark. So, Sarah, um, instructional coaches, kind of a similar question for you. Um, what do instructional coaches bring to, to schools? What skills do they have? Well, I definitely want to uh, reiterate what Mark was saying and also what you were saying in the introduction about how we have the different stakeholders that all work together to drive education forward. Um, so definitely a future ready coach would be someone who has that strong sense of collaboration and ability to work together. In addition, I would say that um, a self-directed learner mm -hmm. makes the best uh, type of future ready coach. Uh, someone who is hungry and curious to learn more about uh, different things that are out there. Um, also being forward thinking, so in the know to anticipate what might be coming um, in the future. I would also say that uh, future ready coaches, we are educators by nature. So, um, so one of the things that we do is that we teach everyone. We teach uh, students, we teach staff, um, and we're trained in personalization and the ability to meet yes. people where they are and give them what they need when they need it. Exactly. That's great. Thanks to you both, and we'll be getting, uh, having more discussion on that in just a minute. Um, but first, as part of its connection to Digital Learning Day, Future Ready Schools ran a film festival competition asking schools, districts, and educators to submit a very short two-minute video showcasing what they're doing to be future ready. For our school category, I'm happy to say our winner is Burnley Moran Elementary School in Charlottesville, Virginia. Here is their video. Report card comments are due Thursday. Now, while we're all here today, we need to make sure that we are future ready. Future ready. Future ready. What in the world? Future ready schools. I wonder what. It must have been some sort of teleportation device. Nice, but where am I? Wow, these students are collaborating in a digital learning environment. The teacher has leveraged the technology available, and I don't think any of them can see me. 
This student is completely self-directed. She's taking ownership of her own learning. The future is really amazing. What are these teachers doing? The majority of my class really seems to be struggling with the informational text. But if you look at question five right here, these four students are really struggling to find the main idea. So I'm going to have to pull them out. They're using technology to analyze student assessment data and they're changing their instruction based on that data? Looks like we have a district brand. Every learner, every day, every one. And there's a student and family engagement program that uses digital solutions to communicate with parents, but also does not depend on connectivity? Wow, the future is really... Wait a minute. This calendar is from this year? It's not the future? All of this stuff is happening right now? We are future ready. So great job. Uh, I know we had the Oscars just a few days ago, and I'm, I'm not sure if that video made it in time for consideration this year. But certainly, I'd put it up against the competition next year. Tremendous job. Impressive special effects. Absolutely. Uh, so in that video, we saw a few educators working together on assessment data and changes in their lesson plans. I mentioned earlier the Digital Learning Day is about connecting, collaborating, and learning from fellow educators. That's a goal for Digital Learning Day, of course but we wanna see it every day as well. So on that subject of collaboration, we have a question from Liza in Colorado. Um, she asks, you know, how do I as a librarian help increase and support the collaborative, collaborative culture in my building? How do I help my colleagues understand my support does not take away time, but rather adds richness to their classes? So, Mark, I'd love to know what you'd say to Liza, and then Tracy, I'd love to get your perspective as well as a, as a teacher librarian. Yeah, this is actually another question I think where the librarians and the coaches probably have a similar answer. Um, I think, you know, the advice, uh, I, I do uh, quite a bit of work with librarians both in my district and around the United States, and, and this question comes up often. And it's, uh, it's really this question of, um, are you holding a hand out to ask for something, or are you offering a hand to shake and, and, and an opportunity for collaboration? I think that that's really kind of a critical piece. Uh, I think a lot of us are really excited about digital tools and resources, uh, and we tend to be advocates for it. So we say, oh, you got to check out this new tool or this new resource or such. And I think what we need to do is kind of step back from that a little bit and listen to the needs of the teachers and, and the students and respond to that. And so um, I think about, you know, in a hotel you have concierges. And I think that in many ways, we need to be more like digital concierges where we respond to the needs of the people that come to us rather than necessarily being an advocate for it. Um, and Tracy, you might have some other things to share on that. Um, I think too is don't wait for people to come to you. I think you, you need to be able to meet them where they are. And sometimes it's intimidating for a teacher who maybe is not very tech savvy or is, doesn't think they're very innovative 
maybe they're a little nervous to approach the coach or the librarian. And, and I think sometimes you have to go out to them and let them know that you don't, you're not judging them at all. You're just trying to help them um, get those students where they need to be and provide engaging and awesome learning experiences for their students. And you're there to be their partner and, and to help guide them. But um, I think sometimes it means you have to, you have to go to them. Um, and that's the beauty of collaboration. If, if I collaborate or Kelsey collaborate, if we collaborate with the teacher um, and we go in and the lesson bombs, we're willing to take the hit, you know, and they get to keep their credibility with their students. That's great. Um, Kelsey or, or Sarah, anything else you'd like to add to that question? As far as uh, collaboration goes, and definitely um, recognizing the strengths that everyone brings with them uh -huh. and um, having them demonstrate that and incorporate that into um, into the work that we do together so that everyone has their ownership into it. Um, a lot of times we talk about student ownership and student agency, but the same goes for, for all of us as learners. Um, so when we're able to bring in our own, our own piece that we can use to support one another, then that, that's a win-win for everyone. I think raising that point about the, the students as well is I think we immediately think of coaching as being responsive to teacher needs mm -hmm. or principal needs and, and very often the needs are actually uh, really at the, at the student level and so you really need to have your antenna up to kind of understand what those needs mm -hmm. are and potentially do a little bit of advocacy on the part of the teacher to say, hey, kids really want to do this. Is there, what, what's the way that we can make that happen? So That's great. So just another side tangent real quick. Uh, another category in our Future Ready Schools Film Festival is Innovative Educator. And our winner comes from Lincoln Elementary School in Talladega, Alabama. Here's their video. Hello, my name is Addison, a student at Lincoln Elementary School. I want to introduce our Future Ready Library and its leader, Ms. Karen Woodruff. In 2015, Ms. Woodruff went full steam ahead and created a makerspace in our media center, a place where students can design, create, and explore in a risk-free, student-driven environment. Students began to have opportunities to discover new interests in science, technology, engineering, the arts, and math, using many resources that include Legos, Connects, duct tape, and snap circuits. Today, makerspace has broadened to include virtual and augmented reality, robotics, and green screen. Through the makerspace movement, LES has become a model for other schools in the county. In addition to our makerspace, Ms. Woodruff has integrated many other future-ready skills. Through the use of digital tools, students are able to record and share reviews of their favorite book with their peers and teachers. Through our school's breakout club and lesson plan with individual teachers, students engage in an inquiry-based learning that is completely student-centered. Students learn to work under pressure while communicating with their peers effectively in order to solve the puzzle and break out. As you can see, the Library Media Center at Lincoln Elementary School prepares students like me to have a future success in a changing world. We have access to a wide variety of technology tools and are provided an open environment for expression of creativity and innovation, along with regular opportunities to succeed in a risk-free environment using 21st century skills. By equipping us with these skills and tools, we need to become critical thinkers and problem solvers. Students at LES are indeed becoming future ready. This is us.
Another great job. This video is a, a great inside look at, at how a library can really be converted into a, a makerspace. So in our earlier Digital Learning Day webinar, we heard from Dr. Suzanne Lacey, Superintendent of Talladega County Schools, about how to add makerspaces and other technology on limited budgets. She gave the superintendent perspective. I'd also appreciate hearing from our panel for their perspectives, and so would Renee in Georgia. She asks, what specific strategies do you recommend for libraries on a limited budget, particularly in small districts, uh, to change the perception of just kind of being a library to one of being a, a media center or, or a learning commons? Um, Mark, let's start with you, sure. but I want to open this up to our whole panel. Yeah, Tracy, I think Tracy's going to have a great, great story to tell on that. I think one of the things, uh, watching the video, uh, there was uh, uh, that was kind of a shagadelic uh, uh, library. <laughs> I mean, the carpeting was 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 from a, from a, from a different era. And with with all due respect to Talladega, um, my my library was was similarly um, uh, somewhat dated. Uh, I don't, I didn't see that library as being you know somehow uh, special. It was really about a change of mindset. Uh, and I think that that really is one of the critical components uh, is it doesn't really cost that much money to change your mindset, your philosophy, the vibe of the library. And I think that you know, that's really a critical first step, my sense is, in that, in, that, um, uh, in that district, you have a librarian and librarians that say, hey, makers, we, I want to make my space something where students don't just consume things but create things. Uh, and from that, then, they were able to put some things in place. But I know for a fact that Tracy did that transformation in her library at Skyview. Yes, so we basically took an old computer lab that was no longer being used um, simply because we were fortunate enough to be in a district and a community that went to one-to-one -one devices. Um, and so we had a computer lab that students weren't really accessing anymore and um, really had to think about how to make the space um, transition to a space where students could use it for all kinds of learning, not, um, not just physical resources anymore. So digital content, digital resources, but also how do we support that? And having um, my instructional coach partner with me and being right next to me has really helped um, kind of give a different lens into the space. Having Kelsey's expertise from also being classroom teacher and then moving into the instructional coach role, um, really kind of figuring out what are things we can introduce to the space and change the space so that students are supported in, all, like I said, all kinds of learning, whether it be green screens or tripods or even things like um, taking out all your computers and just providing them a giant open space that they can use to collaborate. Uh, like Mark said, it really is about a mindset. I think we get so wrapped up into um, terminology like technology or making and maker spaces that we forget that it really is about, it's just about a mindset. If you have a library and you are open and um, accepting and willing to support whatever it might be, whether it be a craft project, uh, taking donated computers and letting students take them apart, um, if you're doing things like that in your space, you're providing students, then your library really is transforming into a learning commons. Kelsey, anything you'd like to add? Um, I think that Tracy's like over the last couple of years she's done a great job of just sort of like if you build it they will come like she puts out a lot of different um, resources um, the, like the green screens the take apart station um, different craft materials and it's there for the students and they know it's there and they come and they use it and um, so yeah, if you build it, they will come. <laughs> and that's in a high school where everybody's too cool to be at school. And so, I mean, I think you've done a really nice job, Tracy, of, of kind of disrupting that attitude. And, and I know that, you know, you, you do after school activities where they make wallets for uh, wallets out of duct tape. And, and, and it just, 
I, I think that that's, there's a perception that there's a cost associated with, with maker spaces, and there are lots of shiny, worry things out there. I mean, there's, there's wonderful tools out there, but that doesn't necessarily mean that that has to be where you start. Right. Um, Kelsey is always talking mm -hmm. about technology and about um, that it's, what is your saying? Oh, you don't have to be techie to be innovative. Yep. <laughs> You know, and yeah, so, true. for example, today in our library, we have students who um, are using tripods and um, Play-Doh that most of it got donated mm -hmm. um, to do that. Kelsey went into the classroom and taught this, the teacher and the students how to use iMotion, and they're doing a biology project creating iMotion movies showing uh, what happens to a cell wow. using Play-Doh and iMotion. So nice. completely different way of showing student learning. Kids are engaged. They're having fun, but they're still meeting their standards, and it's, it's very innovative and really, mm -hmm. really low cost. Yeah, a lot of the materials that we've uh, been able to use in the makerspace have been donated. When the community knows um, that there's a need for things, you know, lots of people have random things in their craft rooms that they love to donate to something like this. So it's been a really cost-effective way to have those materials for the students. Great, and, and I think that's a wonderful point at the end about um, donations. Uh, I mentioned earlier when we had Dr. Suzanne Lacey from Talladega on our earlier webinar, and she had a similar question. And, and she talked a lot about partnerships, um, community partnerships. Um, we have a question from Hal in Texas who asks, has anyone teamed up with community organizations? So just think about that question for a minute. Um, and I'll get back to what Suzanne was saying about, you know, thinking differently about how you approach how you, approach how you serve your students. She talked about adding um, Wi-Fi to their school buses, which um, I think several other districts have done around the country. And Mark, in just a minute, let me get you to tell your story about that. But the other thing that they're doing that I had not heard of before is they were also putting a tutor on their bus, and they were also um, providing snacks on their bus, and they were using the money that they would normally use for their after-school program on the school grounds in the, in the school bus. So just an innov innovative way to think about community partnerships. She also talked about an organization in the community that served families and how she could reach out to them and have them kind of partner um, to support students after school. So yeah, I think parents are another really strong um, ally, not only for, for materials you talked about, uh, uh, Tracy and Kelsey talked a little bit about the, the donations, but you have a lot of parents, even at the high school level, uh, that are willing to come into the school and share their passion, their expertise, whether that's sewing or uh, or carpentry or or robotics. Um, you know, I think I think there's that, that's an overlooked uh, collaboration. I guess you know, as we're talking about collaboration, uh, is is ways in which we can connect those those parents to the work, and it's not necessarily the scary math stuff or the scary science stuff that may be over their heads, but it's, it's you know, hands-on activities that, that they can enjoy, and you can, you can kind of cross that bridge between being a parent and, and being someone that's a contributor to the school, so. Anything else anyone would like to add on the panel about outreach to community, community partnerships? Uh, one of our uh, communities actually has their own makerspace area where one of our former teachers are now is now running that program so our students get a chance to actually go to that community outreach area where they're actually delving deeply into doing a lot of the makerspace activities which is awesome that is yeah very nice thanks mm -hmm. So uh, we had a question, a similar question from Jean in Wisconsin. I think she was asking for suggestions on, on leading innovations in schools where the budget is slim or almost non-existent as well. And I think we, we talked about a few of those. Is there any kind of non-library answers that you would 
add-on for, for Gene. I think we covered library very well, but any kind of classroom or Sarah, you're nodding your head. Anything you'd like to offer? Well, sure. Um, so one of one of my passion areas is digital equity. So when, when it comes to equity, then a lot of times we think of the devices, we think of the access. Um, another form of equity that often gets overlooked initially is the ability, or I'm sorry, the access to transformative learning opportunities. So uh, so that is something that, that we can model with our own um, lifelong learning, our own um, lifelong learning and we can help to deliver these high quality professional learning experiences to our colleagues and to our peers. Um, and there's ways that we can do it for free. There's ed camps, um, there's social media, um, there's webinars such as these. So there's so many resources out there. So um, it's, it's really a very exciting time to be in education right now. Yeah. And Lisa, we were talking a little bit earlier about your, your mobile STEAM lab. Can you, I think this is a great point for you to just talk about that a little bit. I'd love to talk about it. Actually, um, we have a bus, a former school bus, that we are working to transform that bus into a mobile STEAM lab. Um, there's a lot, lot of school districts that actually have done this project before. Um, the one thing that, that separates our project is that we are utilizing our students to actually transform this bus into a mobile STEAM lab. So um, the caveat for us is that we're not just utilizing our students, but we've got a group of students in our school that's actually an alternative high school. So our students who aren't, not, aren't able to really succeed in a traditional high school, but they're in an alternative ed program. And these are our students who are actually utilizing their skills that they're learning in, this, in the CTE program that they're able to put to work and actually use that work time. And I mean, you go out there and you see them using the saw, you see them measuring the, the boards, and you, then you see them put them down as they're building the subflooring on the bus. So I am so excited about this bus. I can't wait until we're ready to roll it out. Um, and the fact that our students who are actually working on it are also excited. Um, they're like, here's the board, I just measured it, and they're putting it down, and yeah, it's, it'll be nice because we will also have the makerspace activities. We've got a, a lot of buy-in from our vendors who have donated our VR kit, uh, so we have our Google expeditions that we have to set up. We're partnering, of course, with our STEAM coordinator in the county as well as our CTE coordinator who is assisting us and helping to map out a program that the bus will be able to service students from K through 12. So it's gonna be awesome. Yeah. Kelsey, you mentioned just a minute ago of a, another kind of low budget way to bring um, technology in the classroom from just Play-Doh and, and donations as you mentioned. Is there anything else you'd like to call out? Um, yeah, I think another strategy, um, and sometimes we want to pull in um, outside um, groups to do trainings for our teachers, but a really a cost-effective way to train our teachers is to build teacher leaders within our schools, and then they can train each other. Um, so that's something that we've been doing in our building for the last couple of years is building up teacher leaders and then giving them time um, after school about once a month where they can actually train each other. So we're not having to go to an outside source to get that training for our teachers. Great. And um, Mark, I saw you write yeah. a note about uh, students as designers. Why don't yeah, you elaborate? Yeah. Lisa was talking about this, this uh, the, the student-designed 
uh, maker bus or the steam right. bus that you have. And I think that that's really a critical component of the, what we're doing in Vancouver and what I'm hearing you know, as, as I talk with, with other districts is that shift from adults mm -hmm. uh, being in control to students being in control and having some uh, really authentic uh, ownership of the design and the and the building of the of these components. Um, uh, I think one of that's one of the transitions I know that in in the libraries across the United States, those have traditionally been places of consumption. And 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 the the video that we just saw, where you saw the students doing all those amazing things in the elementary library, it's a shift for those students being designers and creators. And and I, and I think that's a really critical piece of this of this digital kind of this uh, the digital learning day. I think needs to be about student creation. Exactly. Absolutely. So, um, Lisa, Sarah, we heard just a little bit about your district. Um, now I want to learn a little bit more about <laughs> Prince George's County Schools. I know you brought your own short video about Oxen Hill High School there in the district, so let's take a look at that now. Here at Oxen Hill, students are learning by doing in several ways, such as creating through 3D printing, filmmaking, and robotics. One of the county's three high schools offering a science and technology magnet program, Oxen Hill has been a one-to-one -one school for several years. However, the magic here lies not in the equipment itself, but instead with the mindset as reflected in the school's mission statement. Graduates will have the knowledge, skills, and attitudes to reach their potential as responsible, productive citizens in a global economy and multicultural society. At Oxen Hill, students and staff are partners in the learning process. Here, Teachers maximize the integration of technology and purposeful ways to make learning meaningful for students. And this is one of my students' websites. They developed their own page. This was her home page. This was her minority issue. And she even pulled data to emphasize her um, issue. Um, her research through history. Oxen Hill faculty and staff model what it is to be a lifelong learner by pursuing professional learning experiences through the school, the county, and other avenues such as conferences, ad camps, and social media. All stakeholders work together collaboratively to help provide high quality learning opportunities for students here at Oxen Hill. Future ready librarians need to understand the technology on their own so that they can, we need to be the guide in the building to teach the teachers and the students alongside how to use technology again to build the product rather than to just complete a worksheet. As Oxen Hill High School principal, I'm excited to know that we have created the platform for our digital learners to be successful. So that's a great <laughs> behind the scenes look at the, at the magic underwear at Oxen Hill. Thanks for sharing it. Um, Lisa, we saw a lot of great technology in that video, 3D printers and a robotics program. Yes. 
Um, what would you say to educators watching who are interested in starting a similar programs in their schools? I think that um, aside from the mindset and just being open to what the possibilities are, um, funding is, would, would be an issue at, at some point. But if you have the motivation and you have the support of the administrative staff and the teachers, the students are willing and, and already ready, I'm sorry, ready to, to receive these activities. So I would definitely advocate for perhaps grant funding, uh, writing your little grants, or just going out for the vendors that you have access to in the community. I think that there are a lot of businesses around in the area that would be more than willing to support student learning. Um, so I would say go start knocking on those doors and asking because it won't hurt. All they can do is say no. Great. And I would definitely ask. And, and I know you get a lot of proposals from you know, <laughs> principals and, and others who are trying to get some more technology in their school or technology in their classroom. As you're evaluating those, what are the, the things you look for where you're like, okay, this is a great idea or maybe this needs a little bit of work? That's a good question. Um, actually, we just recently received a proposal from a school um, requested to become one-to-one -one, and everyone wants to become one-to-one -one, and then when you ask them why, it's like, you can't become one-to-one -one just for the sake of having a device. Um, what are your plans to do with it? So basically when I get the proposal, I want to see exactly what's the vision of the leadership there? What are, what are they trying to do? What issues are they trying to solve? And how is technology going to help them? Um, if they can't explain that to me, then automatically they're not ready. Because technology is not, we don't want to give technology just for the sake of giving it, especially if you're not going to use it or not utilize it in an effective manner. Um, we want our staff prepared and able to use the technology. So um, I received the proposal from one of our middle schools and I had a chance to go and walk, go to the school yesterday as a matter of fact. Um, I was pleasantly surprised or I was just very pleased with what I saw. Um, from the administrative staff down to their students. They were very ready. Um, I was extremely pleased and actually before leaving out I actually said you're on the list. So but basically they were more than ready only because the principal had already laid the groundwork. The principal had already set the expectations and everybody knew exactly what was expected of them. Everything was already in place for the most part and the teachers were ready. Um, principals more than open for the training that's required and needed for, some, for the teachers to support them in using the technology in an effective manner so that our students are well able to use it in activities that are rigorous and challenging. Um, I, actually one of the teachers um, who received a brand new smart board um, actually had a creative way of using that tool where she was actually recording her entire lesson in the evenings and then she brings it back in and she presents that lesson on that board but that lesson is basically her walking her students through the activities the students are listening to her voice they are seeing exactly what she is expecting them to be monitoring or looking at while the lesson is going on and she's walking around She's monitoring what they're doing and she's able to see those students who need help and students are able to say, hey, I got a question or I need help here or whatever. But um, the fact that she was using it in a very unique manner and she said that um, the students were actually 
she had noticed a progression of at least 40% growth in her students as well as the work that was being turned in significantly improved. And one of the things that I asked her was, why do you think that? And she was saying that uh, she has a great relationship with her students. This was a seventh grade class, by the way. Um, she has a great relationship with her students. And one of the things she had noticed is that her kids are always watching her, noticing everything, as all kids do. Um, but she said that the one thing that she was able to take away is that the students are no longer watching her while she's talking to them or telling them what she wants them to do, but they're able to focus on the actual activity and she's able to walk around so that she's not the sage on the stage, so to speak. But um, the students hear her voice, they see what she's expecting them to do, and she's there to make sure they're on task. And it was great. I mean, the kids were awesome. I mean, they were totally on task at all times. And this was a 72-minute period, and it was, it was wonderful. That's great. It and it's wonderful. funny, you talked about one-to-one -one in exactly. regard to the device. But with the, in this situation, it's the teacher getting the one-on-one -on -one time with the student. Exactly. And that personalization Precisely. that she may not be able to deliver from, from the front of the classroom. Exactly. So that's, I think that's just a tremendous use. And, and uh, you know, at the Alliance for Excellent Education and Future Ready Schools and, and Digital Learning Day, we always say, you know, you just can't go out and just hand out devices. You just can't go out and, and no, buy something please. without a plan for, for what your needs are, exactly. uh, for how you're going to use it, for how you're going to bring your educators on board. And I think that's just a, a perfect example. It really is. So Definitely. thank you for sharing it. Um, so Sarah, um, we have a question I think is really great for you and certainly others should weigh in as well. Uh, Gina in Illinois asks, um, as an instructional coach, how can I help teachers buy in to new ways of using technology to engage students. I think a lot of times, you know, there might be some fear there around trying something new and what if it doesn't work mm. and you don't have a librarian you can blame. <laughs> right. What would you say to her? Right, well, Gina, thank you so much for the question. And um, that, that's a great one because really the, the mindset is probably one of the most important things to, uh, to be open to trying these things for our students. Um, so I just want to piggyback on our friends in Vancouver, and I love the idea of building capacity um, within the staff. So uh, educators leading sessions for one another when they learn something new, uh -huh. that is amazing because one of the things is that uh, when you do that, then you, then you leverage that beginner's mindset. Um, yes. Like if, if someone were to explain um, were to explain something and they're very far removed, then you kind of have to make that conscious, you know, that conscious thought, oh, you know, I need to make sure to cover this space, this space, this space, and not take anything for granted that my learner may know. However, if I just learn something and I turn around and teach it to someone else, then, exactly. you know, I'm thinking through the process and I'm, I'm remembering it as a beginner. So that's, that's one of the things. So um, another thing would be modeling the way that you would want learning to take place in the classroom. So you would want to have learner-paced um, professional learning opportunities, mm -hmm. um, hands-on, authentic, uh, so that people would actually be able to say, okay, this is something I can see myself doing with my students. So maybe bringing in a piece of um, what the what the teacher hopes to accomplish, um, and just modeling how that may look with the effective integration of technology. And one more thing that I always, always, always preach is to leverage the power of social media. <laughs> it's been a huge game changer in my own life and my own career 
personally, professionally, mm -hmm. and I've learned so much. Um, and we have, you know, there's there's face-to-face -face opportunities, which are wonderful, but those come, you know, sporadically. When you have that access to Twitter, to Voxer, to Facebook, to um, Instagram, there's so many communities of educators, and you get that, like, on demand. So when you need it, it's, it's right on time for you, and you get to customize what you want to learn about. So I would say those things. Yeah. yeah, I know that there were several questions from small districts or rural districts, okay. and I think that's one way you can kind of overcome the um, that isolation right. is the professional learning community is a really great asset because, you know, you are not isolated because of where you are. And in Washington State, we have the, the West Coast is, is you know, it's Seattle and, uh, you know, it, it's these huge, huge me uh, mega cities. And then our east side of our, our state is, is very rural. And so yeah. that's been one of the challenges in our, in our state is just trying to how to how those individual districts that are on the on the east side are able to kind of keep up with uh, with the with the Redmonds and the Microsofts and so on, mm -hmm. and uh, the social media really I think and the professional learning network is really a right. critical component of that. Mm -hmm. I know Tracy, you that's how you got started with the um, the maker spaces. I think was largely through social media, wasn't it? Yes, and actually I was going to add too, um, always ask your kids. Um, going back to when we built our makerspace, um, I had kind of a student committee of, uh, of mostly boys at the time who um, were kind of guiding the space, and, and they're the ones that said, you really need a sewing machine. And I said, do either of you know how to sew? And they said, nope, but you have to have one. They said, somebody here is going to want one. You need to have a sewing machine. Um, and so listening to that student voice and, and ask kids in terms of technology, what do they see coming? What do they see um, their future having? You know, what are the what are the skills that they need to learn? And what do they what do, how do they want to show you that they've learned it? I think sometimes we forget to ask, ask those kids. They know they know a lot more than we do. Yeah, I think that's a great point. In our earlier webinar, you know, um, our new president, Deb Delisle, was talking about how um, when she was, I think, visiting a district, uh, they had, you know, your tech team, right. and it's a group of teachers. But in this school, they actually had a rule that you had to have a student on the tech team as well. Nice. And the students who were on the tech team were a lot of the times the, tu the students who were getting sent to the principal's office, who were getting in trouble, and they were getting on these tech teams, and they were finding themselves engaged, and they were getting to school early, and pulling out laptops, nice. and engaging with teachers and their peers, and just completely changed the lives of these students. So I think that's a great point. Um, the student voice, checking in with your students. Um, certainly, the things that kids can do with technology today, you know, they're a lot early, they're more early adapters than we are, so they're, I think, a great resource. Um, Lisa, anything else that you would like to add? Yes, definitely. Um, speaking of a student as a resource, we have we uh, started our Gen Yes program this year, which is actually where our teachers are working with our students and training them to become our student technology leaders. So they will be the ones, or they are going to be the ones who are actually supporting not only our teachers, but also working with their, their peers, being able to mentor them and helping them with their technology use. So um, that's definitely another way of utilizing students and listening to what they have to say and empowering them because I think that it's extremely uh, valuable for us to do that. But I'd like Sarah to tell a, a little bit about our DigSit that we did with our students. Mm -hmm. I think that listen, having given students a chance to voice and share what they're thinking is extremely powerful. 
So Sarah, could you? Yeah, absolutely. So uh, digital citizenship um, is definitely something that that we are um, we are supporting in our district. Uh -huh. um, and there was a digital citizenship summit that we did last February. I want to say it was almost a year ago. To uh -huh. the, and um, so originally it was going to be a summit for educators. So. We had uh, we partnered with the Digit Institute, and um, Mary Alice Curran came, uh, and she was going to she was going to do a workshop for the teachers in our district. Mm -hmm. um, however, we had one too many snow days, <laughs> and that day got taken away from us. Yes. Um, however, um, it was kind of serendipity that that we were able to pivot, and it became a student event. Mm -hmm. So uh, part of that was a student panel. And that was actually the plan from the beginning, to have mm -hmm. our student panel uh, in there as well. But they shared so many amazing takeaways, so many amazing insights. Um, and just hearing their perspective, hearing their voice, it was such a powerful, powerful moment. So what kind of reaction did you get from, from the students? They were very excited about it. Um, there was one young lady who came up to a member of our team who uh -huh. said that she wanted to actually do something like this for her middle school. She was a ninth grader, so she wanted to um, wow. t to put that in into effect for her um, for her previous middle school. Yeah. That's awesome. So um, we have a few more questions coming in from viewers that I want to get to. Remember, if you have a question for our panelists, you can ask it in the, in the box below this video window. So this question comes in from Christine in North Carolina. So we, we focused a lot on, I think, you know, school solutions. She wants to know if you have any instructional technology facilitators that are involved in leading innovation in the district as well. Uh, actually, yes, we Please. do. We actually have, I'm, I'm fortunate enough as instructional technology leader or director in the, in the district, I'm fortunate to have a training team, uh, which I know that a large number of school districts do not. I have um, instructional technology specialists who are responsible for servicing their schools. So we um, offer technology training sessions, but we also provide the support. Um, so our trainers are able to go into the schools and work with the teachers. And uh, for those teachers who are willing, even working with doing uh, co-teaching lessons, so we have teachers who are at varying skill levels of technology usage. So for those novice teachers, those teachers are a little anxious about using technology and having it fail on them. Having someone there to fall back on and know that if the technology doesn't work properly, if you don't have that student technology leader, Perhaps you have your technology trainer who's available to support you in that technology use and even assisting you with developing a lesson where you're truly utilizing the technology and it's thoroughly integrated throughout your curriculum while you're delivering your instruction to the students. But um, we have those, we, I'm fortunate in having that. So I am very thankful for Sarah, as well as my rest of the team. Yeah, thank you, and I'm I'm thankful to be <laughs> on the team. We're all um, and to, yeah, and to work with such amazing people who have played such a huge role in my own journey as an educator. Mm -hmm. um, and the question about um, about innovation in the district, and uh, there's several initiatives that have come from the team. One of them that I'll talk about is a Google uh, boot camp. Oh, yeah. yeah, so uh, in our district, and we do a Google certified educator boot camp for level one and level two, just to kind of prepare um, to prepare people in the district to take the test. But I want to say probably the strongest piece of that is the community aspect, mm -hmm. um, because there are some people who come in and just out of the gate, they're just you know their skills are 
very high. Um, but and and we ask them sometimes. So you know what what's what are you getting out of this? And they say the community aspect. Mm -hmm. So uh, learning communally with other educators in the district. Um, so we're actually going to be doing a session at ISTE about that about um, making. PD go viral. So that's that's one of the things. And I, I also want to say that we uh, collaborate with um, with other stakeholders in our mm -hmm. district. So, for example, we've been talking a lot about maker spaces mm -hmm. and um, our creative arts. Um, Barbara Lidal on the creative arts team was talking about the maker movement that was gaining momentum and how, mm -hmm. how beneficial it's been um, for our educators and for our students. In addition, uh, the Student Film Festival showcases work um, created by the students and it's actually shown to industry professionals so they get feedback not only from their peers but also from industry professionals and uh, with our library media specialist then um, she's, she also spoke a lot about digital citizenship and, um, and rolling out curriculum a scope and sequence to, to just um, to uh, to have increasing depth and complexity right. to demonstrate that. So uh, she, in in doing that, she collaborated with Baltimore Public School System, and uh, and she was able to develop that scope and sequence. So um, so working with all of our stakeholders in our district together, just to once again to drive the learning forward for our students. And Jason, I'd be amiss to not bring up our um, since we're here for Digital Learning Day. Um, we also work kind of join forces with our Digital Learning Day and Read Across America. And one of the events that we are working, my team, the team is working very hard at right now that I'm very proud of is our stream across the district. So instead of the stream across, Read Across America, it's basically a streaming across the district. So um, we actually have our central office readers or just other people who are actually coming in to read for us and read for our students. We've actually recorded the um, reading and streamed it across throughout the district via Google Hangout. And my team has actually, based on the book, develop technology-rich lessons where teachers, grade level appropriate, can select the activities and actually implement the, the activity after watching the reading that's being streamed across the network. So I'm extremely proud of that event. I think that it has evolved and it continues to evolve where we started first with using the polycoms and just one classroom reading to another classroom. We now have it so that we actually have local writers or local authors who have come in to read for us as well as some some quasi-famous people who have come in to read and we've streamed the uh, book reading across the network and our CEO of course. That's great. So yes. I hope you put it on the digital learning day map of events. Uh, if you have Sure it, we will. <laughs> you study librarians steal that idea. That's, that's, a, that's a billion dollar idea. Tracy, I want to go back to you just for a second. Um, we were talking before the webinar and, and this team approach got me to thinking about kind of the future ready schools team approach. And that's something you were gonna you've talked about before the webinar. Can you elaborate a little bit on that? Um, yes. So in our school, um, and really in our district, we really have kind of a team approach. So mm -hmm. in our building, um, we talked about having a, a tech team. Um, we um, have a similar setup where it's the principal, the uh, instructional coach Kelsey, and then myself um, with some other teachers and tech support. But really, um, we call it a team approach to Future Ready. And it just depends on, we, we, we did a whole um, presentation earlier on it, where it's like it's a train. And um, depending on what we're trying to always keep that train moving towards getting our students future ready. Um, and it depends on 
what situation, what initiative we're working on. It depends on who's driving the train. And sometimes it's flexible, you know, based on, on when it's required that it's the leader of the building saying, you know, hey, we're moving forward, we're doing this. Sometimes it's Kelsey who's who's driving the train um, and she's leading PD at a staff meeting or she's um, organizing something that's amazing. Um, and so sometimes it's me, depending on the topic. So it really takes a team. But what's great is um, in a building, we're in a, a comprehensive high school of about 2,000 students. What's great is by knowing that it's a team that um, they can, anyone on our staff or our students, they know that they can approach any of us with a topic of technology or innovation. And maybe they've seen Kelsey in action, maybe they've seen me, or maybe they have a relationship with the principal. Knowing that we're a team and we work together, they can go to anybody with a, an idea or a question or a problem and they know that we're gonna work together to, to solve it. Um, I think it's really empowered our staff. Um, I think it really has given them having the leadership um, permission to to fail, permission to try new things, permission to innovate. Nice. Um, and going back to kind of that district leadership, I am really fortunate in that I have Kelsey most of the time we have her here in building, but she also is doing some work um, at the district level. We have a, a call, uh, we create, uh, it was mm -hmm. hour of creation where uh, elementary school students had an opportunity, but they have, her team um, have, as district instructional coaches they have taken the idea and made it a whole day. So do you want to share mm -hmm. just a brief little thing about day of creation? Um, sure. Yeah. So we have a, we're fortunate enough right now to have a team of about 15 ed tech coaches um, that provide in-building support, but also PD for the, at a district level. So this year we started a new collaborative effort with the librarians and teachers where we sort of take over a school, an elementary school for a whole day. And um, every classroom gets a lesson uh, during the day from our ed tech coaches. We call them instructional technology facilitators. Um, and they deliver lessons that integrate technology, creativity, um, nice. literacy, and um, social emotional learning all like intertwined. And the ed tech coaches deliver the lessons and the teachers get to watch. And then at the end of the day, there's some PD around that where the teachers get to reflect on how the lessons went and kind of talk about next steps, how they would continue to do things like that in their classroom. So um, that's something that we've been doing this year that's been going well. And there's a lot of uh, enthusiasm around that. Um, so, yeah, that's awesome. And I remember hearing some feedback from the teachers. They were surprised at oh so you can teach i mean they were they were yeah. just it was kind of crazy it's like yeah. of course we're teachers but i think that's one of the things you know that that often coaches and librarians mm -hmm. feel that kind of they don't get cred for being teachers and and i think that's something that just needs to be reinforced is you know you have those conversations with with your staff so that these these people are great teachers and they're also great librarians and great coaches so yeah that's a great point so um, I'm afraid we're nearing the end of our time. Um, I want to invite each of our panelists to offer you know, a closing thought. Is there anything that we didn't get to in our conversation today that you, you want to make sure um, you cover with our viewers? So um, we'll go uh, here three on set, and then we'll go to our two friends in, in Vancouver. So Mark, why don't you kick us off? I think the, the, the thing that I keep hearing is you can't do it alone. Collaboration is about working, you know, that, that a lot of us as educators are used to being the one that has to be responsible for the classroom. 
And uh, as, as, as leaders, librarians, and coaches, the only way that you're gonna be successful is to create partnerships. So mm -hmm. working with a coach in your classroom, working with teachers, but we also, in our conversation, talked about kids being a really critical partner as well as parents. And so I think when we think about uh, doing any of this digital learning uh, innovation is that you can't go it alone. Right. And just one more thing, Mark, you mentioned earlier about kind of leaders in plain sight. Can yeah. you talk just a little bit more about what you Yeah, about? well, I think in our, our district, uh, I'm really proud, our superintendent, uh, Steve Webb, another, another name drop there for him. Uh, <laughs> he better be watching. He, he better be watching. <laughs> um, anyway, he, he, he identified librarians very early on as being really critical uh, people to, to move Future Ready forward in our district. Uh, the instructional coaches, the ITFs, have also been a really critical piece of that. And you know, he has this concept of ubiquitous leadership, is that, that there are leaders hiding in plain sight. And the only way that you can do Future Ready in a school, that's a, it's, it's a team effort, and you have to really leverage leadership in some different places. And so librarians and coaches are very logical people for, to do that work. Yes, and just piggybacking on what Mark has just said, um, leaders, we're all leaders, and I think that as long as we're viewing each other as leaders, even our students, especially our students, I think that um, we'll have more success in terms of implementing um, technology throughout um, instruction. And um, I think that when we empower others, then it only enhances what we're trying to do. Um, so as a technology leader in our district, I want more and more technology leaders because I don't want everyone looking to me. I want to be able to look to you and everybody else because I think that that's where the power is. It's when everyone is involved, um, collaborating towards that one goal. Um, we'll find success. Absolutely. And I would also second everything that everyone has said <laughs> and jump in and also say um, helping to cultivate that student agency is key. Right. Um, Generation Z, we have a powerful group of students on our hands right now. Right. And just the change that they have already made when they get, you know, just a little bit of support and a lot right. of um, a, a lot of uh, room to pursue their their dreams and their goals. Just, you know, I, I'm, I'm thoroughly impressed every time I see a young person step up and, uh, and and taking control of his or her destiny. Um, so, a mm -hmm. couple of a uh, couple of ideas um, to just kind of throw out there for any viewers are um, student-run ed camps um, might be mm -hmm. one good thing to look into, or uh, student educator ed camp collaborations. Um, so, definitely co-learning with our students and um, mm -hmm. and having them lead the way. Um, I would just add for librarians um, and for for coaches too is that really create a space that is for students and for what they need, not necessarily what is best and most convenient for us. And I think one um, way to to do that is by actually using an instructional coach. Um, I'm fortunate, like I said, that Kelsey sits right next to me, but invite somebody into your space and it, to have a look at your program and, and provide you with some honest feedback. What do they see when they come into your library? Sometimes it's hard to hear, but um, it can really impact your program and make changes for the better for your students. Um, and I would just kind of echo the, the team theme. If you um, don't have a designated team for tech or innovation set up in your school, I would do that. Set, set aside time when you're actually going to meet and, and work together. And then as a team, make sure that you're just always um, modeling resiliency, I think, when it comes to 
to technology because I think with innovation, there's always going to be bumps. And if like the coach, the librarian and the principal are modeling that, that that's, that's normal and it's okay and things are going to be rocky sometimes when you're trying something new. I mean, innovation is about trying new things and, and it's not always going to be perfect the first time. It's probably not going to be perfect the first time. Um, so as coaches and leaders, if we can model that resiliency and, and just show that it's okay that things aren't going to always go right the first time you try something new, um, that just kind of trickles all the way down to the teachers and to the students and um, and I think just helps to create that culture in your building that it's okay to, to try new things and it doesn't have to go perfect right at the start and you can just keep going even when things are a little bumpy. <laughs> That's wonderful. Thank you all for that those parting words. Um, and thank you to our audience as well for joining us. If you missed any of today's webinar or a webinar from earlier in the day for district, uh, school district leaders and school leaders, visit digitallearningday.org slash dldaylive. Before we go, remember to tag at official dlday in your Digital Learning Day tweets and add your Digital Learning Day activities to our Digital Learning Day map at digitallearningday.org slash map. We have over 200 over 2,000 events around the country. Um, take some time, explore the map. There are a lot of really great ideas. Get on Twitter, search for the Digital Learning Day hashtag, DLDay. There's a lot of really great ideas out there early. We talked earlier about the power of social media and just the ability to connect with people. So there's a wonderful world of educators out there sharing ideas and, and looking forward to connecting with you. So thanks again for watching. Have a happy Digital Learning Day. And thank you for everything that you've done out there to make today such a great day for, for educators and especially for students. Thank you. <laughs>